Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister, I brought it to the department, nobody is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Wow. Just wow. We were inundated yesterday with stories of people little bit concerned about the questions they're being asked on the door by the census man or woman. We had heard some rumours of odd questions being asked. Questions that you can say, well, why is that any of his business or her business? Why are they asking me that? You wouldn't believe the slew of stuff that came in. I've got some crackers, which I'll read out to you in, in a little while. And if you've come across anything, there'll be census enumerators around now this weekend, and they may well have been around in the last couple of days. Things like, uh, do you have a holiday home? Or things like, is there anybody actually living up the road in that house? Like, are they ever there? Just how many men are going to be in the house on the night of the census? How many women are going to be in the house on the night of the census? Just questions that you felt were... A little bit odd. Let me know, though, 1-896-9696. Also, later this morning, a €200 Euro voucher for Douglas Court Shopping Centre for Mother's Day. That's in... I think we'll do that between 10 and 11. Another celebrity mom for you to tell me who it is, all right? 0818-96-9696. Now, I'm hoping this man uh, can hear me on the end of his telephone... Don O'Leary from Cork Life Centre. Don, we a lot of people didn't know you were actually going with the convoy, going with the aid convoy out to Ukraine. How's it gone? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, it's gone quite well, you know. I mean, I suppose, look, we 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 were going to do this very early on, and, and what what brought us, why we wanted to do it was the first news report. Don, can you get a small bit closer to that phone, if you would, because it's very muffled on me. All right. How is it now? bit better. Right. So uh, we, we were going to do this early, early on and we had contacts. Um, but I think what really drew us to it was 
the first news reports that we were seeing from Ukraine was of, uh, of pregnant women and kids in hospitals and having to go to bunkers. Now, the, the Russians have nearly uh, flattened Kirkiv, which is the area that was happening in. So we took a decision that we would try and um, organise for them, um, specifically. Um, and, and what we organised was generators, uh, a defibrillator from Cork Lines Club, um, uh, sheets, because sheets have, be, have become disposable, no matter what they were made of. There's no way you can wash the sheets. Yeah. So it's a sort of being thrown out. So we, we, we've got sheets, we have got uh, sleeping bags, lots of baby phone, uh, lots of napping, um, medical supplies. They were looking for painkillers. We had to go around, you know, you can't get a pack of Panadol. You can only get one pack of Panadol over the counter. In fairness, we were supported by someone there that, that, that got them and just took a whole day and a little bit through the, the, um, the tablet. And we, we set off. Nobody on the trip um, was at it. Right. Uh, everybody actually are volunteers. So we have uh, three staff, including myself. We have a parent and a friend. Right. Um, and before they even came along to me, they said, uh, when I got inside in the centre that I was doing, and not everyone in the centre knew it either. Uh, right. Because, I, uh, look, with my situation, I don't mean this in a bad way, no. but it could have ended up as a circle because people wanted to come, people, and I said, I, I, I didn't want that. We just needed to get on the road we wanted to do, and, and it was important. Yeah. So very good people came along, gave us generators, um, gave us money. Um, we gave us uh, schools. It did not monastery primary schools. Uh, did did uh, money collection, but also but also equipment, and 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 in in and on in the uh, the school across the river, Blackstreet Boys School came up with nine hundred dollars. And people did that all over, you know, that uh, the transit band that were training in, um, and the name was the transit band was given to, to us, and had to be purchased by one of our sponsors, uh, off the one of us. Another philanthropist gave me 5,000. Five now, other people gave me 1,000, 2,000. So what we did with the money is, because look, you could pack a van, you could pack six vans for a lot of food. Yeah. Now, my understanding is, there might be, but it's not the food they used to. So what we said we would do is, we go to the border, Take this off the people who are meeting, go back into Poland, uh, get the food that they're looking for, and no, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, we have to be very careful of this and that. You know, the, we're at the very furthest point away from uh, the major conflict in in in, in Kiev and in uh, Kharkiv. Kharkiv, yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're down towards. Um, if you like the Slovakian part of the, the, yeah. the, the border. You're a good distance away from Mariupol as well, aren't you? Oh, yeah, Mariupol is, is in the Crimea. Like, uh, it, it, we're, we're very good. I mean, we're, we're a few, I'm doing Facebook lives for kids because the kids in, in the centre and another younger kids, they're anxious about this. The anxiety already makes it a lot worse because they have anxiety about, 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 about um, where, where, their, um, where the war is. So we, we decided... I, I'm sitting um, less than a, a, a thousand metres from the Ukraine border, right. uh, waiting for my contacts to, 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 to reach out. Now, there's only, I, I think we saw one plane transport. We saw, and I'm sorry, no, we saw a, a number of baby uh, soldiers from America, and they were, because if they're 18, they were a lot, um, last night. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 you, you'd be fooled into thinking there was nothing wrong. 
Yeah. The only thing is, it's like coming out of the border, people are telling you to go back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have we have letters that are allowing us to, to go and meet these Good. people that it's been done by the, the government. You clearly have yeah, exceptional it, it, contacts, Don. Fair play to you. When everything's gone well, I assume, are you on the way back now? No, no, no. We, we, we're, we're, in the, we're in the middle of delivering the that we brought and going back into Poland to, um, to buy the food or if they need medication or anything like that. Um, we keep doing it as long as, as, long as we have money. Right. Um, it was also a hope that you know, if, if people, a number of things, if people want to move from the border region further back into Poland or into, into the, over to the German border, we're, we're willing to do that. And if people want to come to Ireland, we're also willing to do that. Right, um, okay. I, and I think that for me, there's a couple of things. Like I, I, I'm still waiting for confirmation that we have homes for these people when we bring them back. Um, I, I, I listen to somebody's train zone. There's two things. I know there's a homeless problem in Ireland. I guess. I, I totally get it. I'm a boy Let me ask, ask you that, about that, because that is a question that has come in on our common platforms over the last week or so. You know, we, 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 it's brilliant that we're letting people come here and we are doing what we can for them. But what about our own people, Dan? Oh, I, I, I fully agree, you know. I mean, I, I'm totally agreeing. But you can't leave children, do you? The worst of the children, the worst of all. You know, um, go down to Middle East, the, the, the statue erected to Crocodile Indians who were on their, their long march, who were just out of that. That's right. And That's right. They, they, they helped us. To help us, you know. Think of all the people that went on the family ships to um to to Australia. There, to, if you do a Google about people, wrote, it still doesn't take away from the fact that anybody. It is absolutely disgusting that anybody should have to live in a sleeping bag in a doorway. This has gone on for this has gone on for ten years. I mean, I find it amazing that the government can say no, they're going to find housing for one hundred twenty thousand Ukrainians. I would doubt that will happen, and I tell you why I doubt that would happen. They were to take nine hundred Syrians. They haven't taken 90 of it, is my, my, my thing on that. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I know is, because someone tried this with me before we left. Um, oh, yeah, you're going. Uh, we have, um, uh, um, for, for all the years, whether it be Iraq, whether it was Afghanistan, whether it was the Kurds, whatever it was, with those, with those areas that are mostly Muslim, we work with human appeal. And we've always, always, always supported. Um, you know, there, there are two. <laughs> someone says there are two sides to the story. They're walking off at the same page. This is about power. You yeah. know, the people standing on one side haven't got their, haven't, can't be saying they're holier than thou. I know, yeah. The same people that are bombing the life out of hospitals here did exactly the same in Syria, the Russians. Oh, yeah. The, Amer- the Americans and the British are doing with, with Saudi Arabia and, and Yemen. The Americans and the British have destroyed Afghanistan economy. They've done the same to Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, so there's no, there, there's no cleanness here. They, they, they're all Irish, and it's all about power. Yes. And, and like, it gives me, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not like the Cold War. Uh, Putin could have picked any flag he wanted for, for, for his presidency. Yeah, he could have yeah. picked what Biden did with it against the, the flag for the Baltic. He could have picked the, the hammer and sickle, which was the communist one. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. He picked the imperial, he picked the czar's imperial yeah. flag. You, you, you have, my friend, an extraordinary knowledge of that part of the world, uh, and I know from talking to you over the years, you have you have a, a, a huge insight into into the politics of it all. Now, and and fantastic for the work that you're doing. 
Don, are you minding yourself, my friend? People are going to ask me, are you minding yourself? Will you get home safely? Yeah, look, we, 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 we're very careful now. Um, as I said, we, we, we planned it that way. So, like, we're not going to go in here. We, we have, as I said, we have people coming from Turkey. We, we have Roma activists, Roma, um, that we don't give any time to, who, who are bringing stuff back in to the beleaguered capital. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, and the other thing is, it's all women. It is all women that are doing this kind of activity. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you know, go back to 120,000 people, it's not enough to put someone into a house with a, with a family and say, here you go, no? How long is that going to last? Them? That's true. Um, That's true. So, and, and kids going to school, fantastic. And the lives of the sea kids, and I think you know how you think about that. Yeah. However, these kids are coming out of a situation where they're going to be traumatized. Yes. Maybe for the rest of their lives. They're going to, they're so going we, to need services and they're going to need help down, yeah, down, and, down the road. And we don't have those services for kids yeah. in our part of the world. I mean, one of the things, and it's killing me, but I made it very clear at the start, we're not taking children on the road. Yeah, yeah. I can't guarantee their safety. Don, I'm, not. I'm going to need to, to go because I have another call that I was waiting for us to come up. Get home safely. Look after yourself and well yeah, done on what I, you're doing. The, the, staff, the staff here made a bed for me. Uh, so although we travelled all the way from Cherbourg, uh, changing the drivers along the road, I was in a bed uh, that was made for me to take. So yeah, you know, I'm not just moved because they are, if I go to bed to pick something up, uh, they're doing, they're doing, it gets annoying, mind you. Well, I'm looking after myself. This is who I am. Good I lad. can't change. I know. And this is what I'm going to do. All right? I know. Don, listen. Safe. Look, you're you going to get home. One minute. You're going to get home for the wedding anniversary because she'll slaughter you if you don't. Uh, yes. I, 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 yeah. I mean, if I'm not home for the 20 years, I may as well go and join Putin. <laughs> go on, my friend. Don O'Leary from the Cork Life Centre out in Ukraine delivering aid. Uh, Good for him. We didn't know. We, I knew he was gone out there. Uh, we, it wasn't supposed to come out that he was actually there, but it did. Uh, so he's out there now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's a story in the Mirror this morning, and you have to ask, like, what kind of a weapons grade gobshite would do this? Who would rob a car? Rob stuff that was clearly property of refugees that's next can we just talk the opinion line on Corks 96 FM with the Cork City Marathon take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team register at corkcitymarathon.ie so you flee Kiev. you get into your car and you drive 3,000 kilometres to Ireland through Slovakia the Czech Republic, Belgium, Germany, France. Then you arrive to Dublin, en route to Cork. And somebody robs your last bit of stuff. And ask, good morning. I'm so sorry this happened to you and your wife. Good morning. Good morning, Fidget. I mean, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. But I guess it is what it is. <laughs> You're in Cork now, I think, are you? Yes, indeed, I am, yeah. Okay, so tell me what happened. You were staying in a travel lodge in Dublin. Exactly. And um, the the day we were supposed to 
to, 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 to travel to Cork. Um, the immigration department told us that we need to, to move to another hotel here in Cork. Um, so yeah, like the night before uh, the morning we were supposed to leave, we thought we'll prepare our stuff, like, you know, we'll prepare our car to leave early in the morning. Uh, so we packed like you know our stuff from the room and we put it in the car and then the next morning we you know took us by surprise but uh, we found out that yeah someone broke into the car and uh, took most of our stuff and whatever was left was had had blood basically all over it so oh, they caught them they caught themselves did they? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think it was just one guy, like you know, just some maybe you know drug addict, drunk, something like that. But uh, yeah, like the crime was not like was very stupid of him to like he left blood all over the place. Yeah. Car was in an underground car park, was it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, with with cameras around supposedly, but but yeah, I think no one no one saw that. Yeah, what what did they take? Once again, PJ, I'm sorry. What did he take? Um, so, you know, we had their laptop, uh, my guitar, um, clothes, uh, shoes. He even took things that I, I couldn't understand. What would he do with them? It's like, uh, you know, clothes and shoes of my wife. I mean, he's a man. We could see in the footage that he was a man. Uh, you know, like basically everything like you know that has any value he really left us just with uh, some clothes and as i told you with blood all over them because he went through all of our stuff apparently he spent a lot of time inside the car uh, and and he would have known that it was a, a car a foreign car a refugee's uh, car because it had ukrainian plates on it exactly exactly i assume he could see that but but again, maybe in the state in which he was, he, maybe he did not even pay attention to the fact that there, it was Ukrainian plates. My goodness. So you arrived with all you could grab as you were leaving and you literally now have nothing except the clothes you're standing up in. Yeah, and, you know, some stuff that we luckily kept with us in the room that night. So, like, you know, two small bags that we kept with us in the room at least are still, like, you know, are still with us. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, we're so sorry that that happened no, of to you and to Alina. No. It, it was an awful thing to happen. And that's an awful I know. thing to happen. I know. And, and honestly, it was also surprising, given everything, that the how Ireland, like, you know, was since the day we entered. It was really, really surprising, like, out of context completely. <laughs> It's not what you'd have expected of this country, uh, no. Of course not. Yeah. No. You came from, tell me a bit about your journey. You you came from, is it Luhansk near Kiev? No, no, Kiev, yeah. You're, you're from Kiev? Uh, we live, yeah, we're from Kiev, yeah. Okay. And uh, you've, you've left family behind. You must be very worried about them. Yeah, my my wife's parents and uh, parents unfortunately are still stuck in Luhansk. They're in Luhansk actually, like near Luhansk. Yeah, yeah. The situation is a lot worse, obviously, over there. Like you know, even from the first few days, they bombed some bridge there, and so when we asked them to come to us as well, like to leave to come towards the border, the borders, they they couldn't. Like you know, the only bridge that could take them to the west side of Ukraine was bombed already because oh, no. Russians took over that area like pretty oh, quick. No. Yeah. So so you're saying to me they'd be that 
your your wife's parents might well be with you if the bridge had been standing. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, yeah, they bombed it very early. So sorry to hear that. So sorry no. to hear that. Now, on the ground, we we only see, I guess, what we see on the television, and and we hear yeah. what we get from the. What is it? What is it? What is it like? What did Honestly, you see? Like you know, paint me a picture. A, paint me a picture of what you like. Of course, you. yeah. So honestly, like, you know, uh, I'm originally from Morocco. And so uh, I'll be honest, I've never like, you know, also my whole experience of war was only through TV and media. Um, but but I would be honest, like, you know, when you're there in on the grounds, like it's a completely different story because we woke up like, you know, on, uh, to the sounds of bombings on Thursday, 24th of February. Um we live near the airport, like the international airport in Kiev, and so it was one of the first few places to to be bombed that morning. And yeah, like just from five thirty a.m. till six a.m., I think we heard five five bombs around us. Um, so you know, in in that panic, uh, like you know, situation, y- you don't have the time to think much and everything. We we're really just panicking. We we're overwhelmed by like you know fear and all of those emotions, and so we just uh, packed everything. We left, and then once we got out of like you know our apartment or residence, uh, like you know parking lot, like. That's when I realized that it's not that easy because just to get to the closest city to Kiev, which is around 150 kilometers away, took us like 10 hours. Like there was a huge traffic. Everyone is trying to run, you know, to to go out of to get out of the city, and you see jets like you know flying above you. You see Ukrainian military on the ground, like you know moving. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, I think uh, it's a horrifying, honestly, situation, and I wouldn't want it for any human being on this planet, honestly. It's, yeah. yeah. May I ask, ask, we know that the young men, and you're only, what, 28 or 29, we, we know that the young men are not being allowed out. They're being held back to... Yes. How did you get out? I'm delighted that you did, but how did you get out? Yeah, so as I told you, I'm originally from Morocco, so given the fact that I'm not a Ukrainian citizen, like, you know, they they did not, there wasn't really a problem, at least in the first week. I I know that a lot of foreigners as well who stayed there for longer, who did not leave Ukraine, uh, immediately had more issues, like, you know, leaving Ukraine. And of course, a lot of my Ukrainian friends until today, they're just like, you know, hiding in some villages around the west of Ukraine because, yeah, they can't, uh, they can't leave the country and, uh, and they're constantly, of course, asked to go and, uh, and fight. But again, I'm, I, I will say this for like, you know, uh, just for every Ukrainian citizen out there who's like, you know, a Ukrainian man who's not fighting like, you know, in Ukraine, like, you know, I really understand them because it really does not feel like you're in a war and you're fighting. It feels more like a suicide mission. I mean, you're going with two guns or a gun like, you know, but there are jets over you. If you see what I mean, they're bombing from the air. So it's a suicide mission for a man like that with no military experience to just go on the ground in Kiev and try to fight yeah it, it is not possible i don't think and you you put it very well you grew up 
your only understanding of war, having grown up in Morocco, was watching it on the television. I don't think, exactly. I don't think, and as there were words, are there for the fear? The no, of fear. course not. No. no, of course not. And I have to give all the credits, honestly, to my wife. She unfortunately went through this experience back in 2014 as well. She was living in Luhansk back then, studying University of Luhansk. Yes. And yeah, she, she went through kind of the same experience. She lost her house in Luhansk. She lost everything in Luhansk. And then, you know, she thought Kiev would be like, you know, new beginning, you know, life there. And then again, at some point, here we are again. We lost our house there. She lost oh, again everything. To see the, the damage and the destruction and, the, and what's being done is just, it's, it's awful. How are her parents? Are you able to contact them? Unfortunately, we've not been able to contact them for the last two weeks. Oh, dear me. Uh, yeah, apparently, like, you know, the Russians cut all communication right now, like, you know, in that area, because it's already occupied by Russians. Like, there are no Ukrainian, basically, uh, military in, in in the eastern region of Ukraine, like in Luhansk and Donetsk region. <laughs> She must, uh, she must be so scared for them. Honestly, yeah, she is. And I am too worried a lot, of course. We're, we're very worried about about them. But, you know, it's like we're, 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 of course, every morning we wake up, the first thing we do is try their phones again. But until now, like, you know, we still can't get any response. Oh, God, that must be, that must be really, really scary. Um, the, 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 I, I can't comprehend what that must be like. I'm going to wish you safety. And at least in Cork, we are welcome, first of all. Welcome to Cork. As we say in our own language, Cade me Lafodge, good Cork kick. Welcome to Cork. Um, I hope that you recover from the trauma you already had in uh, Dublin. Um, and yeah. I know that the very some very nice people have set up a GoFundMe Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there is a GoFundMe going for you, and it is currently standing at nearly ten thousand euro, which is magnificent. If anybody would like to help, uh, it's 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 GoFundMe. Olena Orman, O L E N A O R M A. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've also yeah, honestly. That. Honestly, like, you know, I really want to emphasize this point here that we honestly, like, you know, we fell in love with Ireland from the moment we entered. I think uh, I think uh, in the article that was written, like, you know, they mentioned that because honestly, like, you know, every country we went through, as you said in the beginning, like, you know, all the countries we went through, I will be honest, we, we did not feel uh, that welcome. We did not feel like, you know, like they really wanted us there, but in Ireland, like the very first two Gardai, like you know, officers who, who welcomed us in Dublin Sport, were so kind. Like you know, actually, it was ex- they were extremely kind to the point that I know I will never forget those two faces, honestly, in my life. Because, yeah, and and everyone after that, like from workers in the Shield and Centre to just random people we meet in the street, like everyone. 
yeah, everyone is so kind. And honestly, we really want to thank all of Irish people and Ireland for, for doing what, what, what you're doing for us and for all the other Ukrainians. And I know no amount of thank you would ever do justice, honestly, to what Ireland is doing for us. So, yeah, once again, really, really thank you so much. Okay, well, you are more than welcome. To fault your road. So that's in our own language. Kate Mila Fault, you Thank you. Please, please give our best to Olena. And uh, we, we, might, we, might, we might talk again sometime, but welcome to Cork. And I hope that everything works out okay for you. And as I won't even, att- can you please help me with your second name? Uh, it's Iduharas. I know it's it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And that's Iduharas and his wife Olena, who is a, a psychologist, and they are in Cork now, having been robbed in Dublin on their way to Cork. But uh, such a lovely fella, such a lovely, lovely fella. We've shared that GoFundMe on our Twitter. Uh, thanks to uh, Trevor Quinn at the Mirror who helped us, the Irish Daily Mirror who helped us to get in contact with them. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that uh, traffic chaos in Mayfield, we understand, is down to a broken down truck. All right, broken down truck in Mayfield. Uh, and we don't know whether the guards are at the scene. They weren't up to a few minutes ago, but maybe they would have arrived now. But that definitely is it. It's a broken down truck in Mayfield. So if you're caught in that, unfortunately. We had a lot of people on to us about um, census enumerators. I mentioned yesterday morning on the start of the show that we'd been hearing stories about strange questions. uh, Questions that you kind of wouldn't expect. Questions that you go, "Why, why, why are they asking me that? Like questions about holiday homes. Did you have a holiday home? Have you been thinking about buying a holiday home? Someone told us they were asked that at their door. And then your neighbour, is there anybody in number 22? Because I can't get them to open the door. And you'd say, well, actually, they, they're out a lot. They'll be there at the weekend. I'll take the form for them and I'll give it to them. For No, no, I need to, need to talk to them. Need to make sure they're there. But, but I'm telling you they're there. They're only there at the weekend. They work away from home. No, no. I, I, I. A lot of that. And people kind of concerned about the questions they're being asked. We got this one. Uh, I was asked to know, would there be a man in the house? I was also asked, would there be a man in the house tonight? Now, I happen to be a widow. I found this quite intimidating. 
didn't feel safe being asked that question. To look at me, you wouldn't know that I'm a widow, which seems to indicate to me this person is quite young. And I think the question about whether there'd be a man there was inappropriate. There's no other way I can put it. And I felt very insecure when the enumerator left. That's... Yeah. Tim says, I felt it was intrusive. I felt it was intimidating. It felt like a scam. The lad was asking me how many nights I slept in the house, why there were no other people in the house. And to put it this way, he was dressed in clothes I wouldn't use to tidy the garden shed. I had no confidence they even worked for the government at all. I was convinced it was someone either pulling a scam or, or casing my house. Then I was shocked because he presented me with a form and ID and it seems all my neighbours met the same fella and he was legit. But it just didn't feel right. It didn't felt very unlike a census. CB Ben E. Faulu on Twitter says, The census lady just called to me. She did ask about how many males are normally in the house. I asked why she needed to know that. It's weird and alarming. She said it's for a basic count of people in case they don't get the forms back. But I thought it was creepy. Then we had a WhatsApp message. It says on the census website, some frequently asked questions, that info will be sent abroad. Where did it go and why? And also, once it goes abroad, what confidentiality rules apply? That's interesting. And like I said, questions being asked, strange questions. Questions that people find strange. That's probably the best way to put it. Now, Carrie Jade Williams, you're on The Opinion and Good Morning. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. And good to talk to you. You're here to talk about Neurodiversity Celebration Week. Tell me all about it. I am. Yeah, so basically I have, um, I live with something called Huntington's disease, which um, is basically ALS meets Parkinson's meets Alzheimer's disease. It's a nasty one, I know about it, yeah. Yeah, so I um, rely on assistive technology. I obviously have some neurodiversity issues. And I really just wanted to come on and raise awareness. It's um, Neurodiversity Celebration Week. There's a great website that's neurodiversityweek.com. And it's just kind of getting the message out there that, People like me that have um, brains that function in a, a different way or have a medical issue, um, I rely 100% on assistive technology. And I just really would like to you know, get the message out there that um, we really need to prioritise access to um, assistive technology yeah. for people that need it and normalise its use. What so, kind of technology do you use? Um, so I basically, um, my Huntington's disease has attacked my brain. I was um, late, very late re- receiving a diagnosis. Um, so I only have, uh, I have a very severely impacted brain. So I rely on um, memory prompts, talk to text technology, um, screen readers, all of the kind of all that good technology. Yeah. Um, but it means that I'm able to still, I still work full time. Um, I do lots in the arts. Um, I live a very full life because I'm very privileged to have access to that technology nice. and unfortunately lots of people don't have that amazing access um, or the skills um, that they need to be able to um, create their own technology yes. so I think that we just need to um, to just remember this neurodiversity celebration week that assistive technology really changes lives it, it gives people like me our voices 
Um, and, yeah. and a voice you're well able to use. May I compliment you on it? <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know about that. Well, my mother would say I'm a chatterbox. Basically, two and a half years ago, I lost the ability to walk and talk. I was very, very ill in hospital. And um, I would have been a bit of a geek. That's basically what I was. I was very into technology. And um, through the use of technology in the lockdown, I was able to regain about 75% of my um, my words back. Um, I do on this phone call now. I'm using a memory prompter on the back of my phone that I designed myself. So I, I would have a lot of technology in my life that means wow. that I get to talk do to, really awesome stuff. Talk <laughs> to me a little bit about that. You're having a perfectly normal conversation with me, and you're using yeah. a prompter you invented yourself. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so basically um, with um, early onset Alzheimer's or with dementia and Alzheimer's, one of the issues um, when you're in sort of the early stages is that you maybe get confused in a conversation or you repeat yourself or I would lose track of who said what when and that's where a lot of the frustration gets in or you isolate. So I um, was able to code pre um, my diagnosis once I became, once I received my diagnosis, I was determined that I wasn't going to just die in a bed in Dublin. I was going to get out there and live my life. Forgot to factor in a global pandemic, but anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I was able to to get home and um, realize very quickly that to access the world, I needed to design my own technology. So I've designed, um, it's it's basically an electronic Braille reader that I have on the back of my phone. Mm-hmm. I taught myself Braille. And then when I'm talking to you, it just reminds me so that I don't repeat myself. I'm just, I'm listening um, to you here. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I'm listening to you here. You taught yourself Braille. Well, I mean, we were in a lockdown and I wanted to participate. So I was very bored. Um, I always say to anyone, if I took you right now and locked you in a room with a laptop, you would use YouTube to your advantage to eventually be able to participate in the world. Um, I had two options, either to kind of give up or to um, to to just try and use the skills that I had. Um, you know, lockdown was brutal for the disability community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was, you know, I don't think that anyone from uh, none of the lads in Dublin were going to come down and rescue me. <laughs> so I had to kind of do it myself to um, to make sure that I could still participate. Um, and obviously by by participating, I've got, you know, it's opened up the world to me. I've, I've had so many opportunities to do really cool stuff. But I, w- I was privileged that I could code before I got my diagnosis. A lot of disabled people wouldn't have that skill set, yeah. which is why we really have to advocate for access to assistive technology. Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. imagine that the device that you invented for yourself could help many other people. Oh, and there is discussions around that. I've, um, I've, I do a lot of podcasting. I was on the Guilty Feminist podcast and um, I've had offers. So I'm in discussions at the moment to launch it um, as a free service. Originally, I wanted to just offer it up to the Minister for Disability, but uh, nobody was interested. Um, unfortunately, I think assistive technology, you don't know what it is until you need it. Yeah. And so um, trying to tell the story of what it's like to literally, you know, I worked full time. I was an average young woman and then I lost the ability to communicate and you know with my disease it will degenerate and I will get worse but assistive technology opens up the world and I just really think that um we need to you know I'm not saying we have to plan for the worst but we need to make sure that if we talk about accessibility and inclusion that we include a discussion about assistive technology make it affordable I personally think it should be free 
um, to anyone in Ireland that needs it. The cost is minimal um, yeah. if it's bought at government level on bulk to the individual. It's it's very expensive unless, like me, you design your own. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I've got a little bit on my, my high horse. No, 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 I'm just <laughs> sitting listening here and I have eyes like saucers listening to you because Carrie I mean, Jade Williams, you are an extraordinary woman. I know, I'm just... I'm, you, I'm, 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 just, I'm keeled over no, here I'm, what you've done for yourself. <laughs> this is amazing. You said there was well, a web... I mean, I... Yeah, go on. What? Oh, God, the line dropped. Oh, I wanted to ask her about the neurodiversity uh, website. I didn't get to mention that, but she's done all this for herself. Huntington's disease is a horrible disease. It's a rotten thing. I'm sorry. She's back. You're there. What's the What's the website? Hello, sorry, I, I dropped the phone. That's sorry. okay. What's the website? Um, so the, it's neurodiversityweek.com um, is the website um, that's just all about neurodiversity celebration week. Right. And um, just anyone, whether you're in, if you're a workplace and you want to make your workplace more accessible or um, if you're a parent looking for more support, there's loads of resources on there. And um, I would just say to people just to remember that not everyone is able to hold a pen, but we can still participate in all things. Right. And lastly, very quickly, you have uh, an event at the end of April for International Poetry Day. Tell me more. I do, yes. Uh, the lovely St. John's in Listowel, uh, the beautiful Listowel, um, have um, allowed us to use their space. We're doing an art installation. It's going to be the first time in Ireland where assistive technology, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning is being presented in a creative way. So if anyone's listening and is just interested in seeing what... Um, different forms of communication or what communication in the future could look like. Right, um, right. It's down at St. John's in Listowel on April the 28th. All right, listen, lovely to speak with you. Uh, Carrie Jade Williams, thank you so much. Neurodiversity Celebration Week. Wow. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We are getting some very strange stories of what people are being asked by the census man or census woman at the front door. And some of what we're getting, we're kind of saying, "Uh uh-uh, that doesn't sound right, that doesn't sound good. But certainly a lot of people who are listening to The Opinion Line this Friday concerned about the questions they're being asked. I'll come back to that, I promise you. I will come back to that. 0818 96 96 96. But today is Daffodil Day. We've been telling you about it now for a couple of weeks. We are proudly supporting the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day all day today, Friday, March 25th. Daffodils available from any of their volunteers and they help to fund free cancer support services and life-changing research. And if you'd like to donate 
It's cancer.ie. I'm joined by Dr. Robert O'Connor, who is the Irish Cancer Society's Director of Research. Dr. O'Connor, welcome to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and a very good morning to your listeners out there. How good is it to be able to do this, as it were, for real again, Robert? Uh, it's fantastic, actually. Um, as an aside, I, I'm down here in Cork and I um, was able to join a, an in-person event um, yesterday and um, we were we were close to hugging around the table um, yesterday. It's just fantastic to be out. Uh, the weather seems to be on our side and, and that as well. Um, and, I mean, cancer takes so much and has been so isolating on top of the COVID isolation and to be able to do things in person again is, is a real pleasure. It just is. Yeah, and it's the perfect daffodil weather. It really, really is. So what, what, what is the purpose of today? What does it raise funds for? What does it support? Sure. So um, the Irish Cancer Society is funded by donations. Uh, and those donations enable three main areas of activity. Um, folks will hopefully have seen our work in advocacy, where we look to support people affected by cancer and the issues that are important to them. Um, you know, for example, it, it, it's simply unspeakable um, that cancer patients will be chased up by debt collectors uh, and have such um, significant financial challenges on top of the health challenges that they have to worry about. Um, the second area is in our services and support. Anybody across the country of any nationality, any creed or culture um, can contact us and get any information, any support, any advice that they might need uh, about cancer. That can be in person through our daffodil centres. Uh, it can be online through cancer.ie, which you mentioned there at the outset, uh, on social media. Uh, and uh, on our uh, free phone support line, 1-800-200-700. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, through that line, people can access uh, free counselling and support. Um, our volunteer drivers, and we're, we have fantastic people volunteering behind uh, the organisation to bring people to uh, chemotherapy uh, and so on. Uh, and we also have, uh, through the support of things today that, that people give us, we're able to help people um, who come to the end of the cancer journey at home with our um, fantastic night nurses. And then finally, uh, the area that I look after, which is our research. Yeah. Um, maybe people aren't aware, but there have been huge strides uh, across the globe and particularly here in Ireland in the outcome from cancer. And all of that is led um, through research advances to identifying new ways to improve um, treatment and outcome. For example, uh, Cancer Trials Ireland, which is, uh, which the, again, the money helps us support, is a major organisation that drives clinical trial research in cancer in this country. Uh, and uh, I suppose one of the final areas that people may not think about until they're affected by cancer, but we're also doing a lot of research in survivorship, and survivorship is around how we help people after they've gone through the medicine or the surgery, the radiotherapy, have the best possible outcome to get out back into their community and that. So all of that is only made possible with the generosity of uh, everybody around the country on days like today. So people who give today for Daffodil Day, and what, the number of ways that you can, and I'll go through them in a minute, uh, they are supporting all of what you've just been discussing with me. They are. They're, they're supporting people in their community. They're supporting the research and all of those other supports. And unfortunately, all of us um, will need access to that at some stage. One in two of us will be directly affected. One in two of us will get an invasive cancer diagnosis. But all of us in our immediate family, our loved ones and our friends, unfortunately, will be visited by cancer. 
and we want to make sure that we come together as a community and support people when they need us. All right, Robert, thank you. And thank you for the work that you and your team and your colleagues do uh, throughout the year. Dr. Robert O'Connor, Director of Research for the Irish Cancer Society. You can get onto cancer.ie website forward slash donate. You can give over the phone 0818 10 20 30. You can sell daffodil pins. You can donate on their Facebook, donate on their Instagram or on the Just Giving site. Uh, There are daffodil day items in an online shop. There are daffodil stuff in centra stores nationwide. If you're on Revolut, you can donate through their donations uh, part, their donations tab on the app or you can send a text to daff or daffodil to 50300 and you make a donation of four quid. Many, many ways to do it. Many ways to do it. Let me talk to someone who has had personal connection between herself and her family and the Irish Cancer Society. Genevieve, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. And how are you? Good, good. Good, good. Now, now you, thankfully, Tyg has made a good recovery. Yes, he has. He, he's... Go on. Sorry, no, he has. He's he's absolutely flying it now. Good. But it was a long and a difficult journey and you were helped by the Irish Cancer Society. Tell me a bit about him. Um, so Tyg, um, Tyg is, he's actually going to be 11 um, this year, but um, Tyg had a stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which was diagnosed in August 2020. Mm. So just kind of as the pandemic hit, um, we, we got our... Uh, helping of uh, something a little bit extra. Um, to put it mildly. So, yeah, yeah. So he, um, he, we actually, we found, discovered a lump on the side of his neck when he was um, swimming in the paddling pool um, during the summer in 2020. Mm. And it was actually his identical twin brother that pointed it out to me that said that um, he wanted to know what the lump on the side of Tyg's neck was. So um, we took him off to the GP and... Um, the GP sent us off into the Mercy, who then um, told us that, that what their suspicions were. Um, obviously, then we were off to Crumlin, um, where he was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Um, That's a terrifying thing to hear about your child, isn't it? It is. It is. It's one of those things that I was only talking to my husband the other day about it, actually. And I still, do you know, when they tell you that the lump's malignant or benign, um, I still don't I still can't think in my head which one's the the one that you need to be scared of or which one's the one you don't need yeah. to worry about because both words sound awful both of them have got something to do with something you don't want your child to have or you don't want you to have yourself you know yes. yeah, yeah. so yeah and I just remember when they told me that it was cancerous that yeah it, it's scary it's very very scary yeah you put that very well actually they really do so then into treatment, and the treatment is hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they, um, with, um, I suppose because of his age as well, um, and where the lump was, um, they, that we were looking at, well, he had five, five rounds of chemo, um, plus the steroids and other meds and stuff like that on top of that. But, um, 
Yeah, we were very lucky to be able to avail of the shared care as well that the Mercy offers. So we didn't have to travel to um, Crumlin for all of his chemo. Brilliant. We could have some of the Crumlin in Cork, which was brilliant. Yeah, we, we know the Mercy oh so well through our involvement with the Giving They're, for Living Radiothon. They are just extraordinary, extraordinary. They really are. Yeah, yeah. families yeah. in Cork are very lucky. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you have a long, it's a long road yeah. to Crumlin. Um, indeed, indeed. Yeah. So 2020, summer of 2020, uh, diagnosed. And then. Yeah. Um, so then we spent most of 2020 full on um, treatment um, and going up and down to Dublin. And then Christmas week of 2020, we got that wonderful phone call from his oncologist to tell us that he'd gone into remission. Oh. Um, yeah. What a, what a Christmas yes. present. Yes, it was the best Christmas present. The best Christmas present, yeah, for everybody. Um, yeah, it was a, a massive relief. But, um, you know, you have the, I think it's the after, the impact of chemo and the impact of cancer in the family and for your child. That That's the thing you see. They hit remission and then everybody's so happy that he's done and you don't have to have the chemo anymore. But it's there. It's still there. Does it still haunt you a little bit that it might come back? Yes. Every time we go. So, you know, the checkups and everything and the care afterwards. So he gets seen um, every three months for the first year, then every four months for uh, the second year and then so on. They push it out. But every time we go to the doctor, every time he has his ultrasounds and his x-rays done of his chest and his abdomen and you sit there and you hold your breath until the doctor tells you that it's all clear. Yeah. Um, and the anxiety for him too. Do you know there's yeah. a huge amount of anxiety for a 10-year-old to have to to cope with that is, it's a lot. It's how, a lot. How does he deal with it himself? Um, well, you know, they say that life gives you the stuff that life thinks you can cope with. Well, Tyg definitely can cope with stuff like this because he's just, he's unreal. He's um, hes definitely my hero um, because, yeah, he just, he takes it on board. Um, he goes into his little zone um, and takes himself off to, I don't know where he goes, but yeah. And then, you know, when he when we get the all clear, then there's the big squeeze of the hand. Um, but he's always so positive about it. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always pulling the positives from everything, from all the trips to Dublin. There's always the excitement about stopping on the way from McDonald's or <laughs> some, you know, there's always something that he'll, he'll pull the positive positives from everything. So, yeah. Yeah. And is, is he has a twin brother? Yes. He has an identical twin. Yeah. They're close. Yes, very close. Yeah. yeah. So the impact for, for Fergus too when he went through all that was a lot, yeah. Yeah. Did he carry his little brother through it or his big his brother too? Um, they all did because he's two older brothers as well. So mm-hmm. four, four boys in the family. So oh, yeah. Okay. So the all the boys were um were incredible and yeah, they they were hugely supportive to um to Tyg, yeah. Genevieve, people are would hearing us talk about Daffodil Day today and I've just spoken with Dr. O'Connor from the Irish Cancer Society but as a mom who's been through this with your wonderful boy and the rest of your family why would someone pick up a phone open a website buy a daffodil why would they do that today? Um, Well it's not only the support that you get when when you're going through something like this, they give you the financial support that, you know, it's, and it's silly things that you don't think about. Like, um, 
you know, the, the, the journey to, to Dublin, there's offer of, um, on so the, the travel help, you know, if your car was um, needed to go in for a service or if there's something that the, if the car broke down, then mm-hmm. they're there to help you with that kind of thing. And it's these things that you don't think about because you're so in the zone. Um, they do, they, they offer um, counseling services and things like that, which again, you don't think about, um, you know, actually being able to pick up the phone and talk to somebody that understands what you're going through is huge. Yeah, um, and then of course the it's thing, not the little things. I, the, the, the car, it's the little things. The yeah, car, the car yeah. breaks down and, and needs to be serviced, and and like that. Yeah, that, I rem- that's It was huge. I actually remember getting the little um. There was a um an envelope with all the information that the Irish Cancer Society um the help and the services that they would offer, and I remember reading that page and it just it really jumped out to me because it's like the one thing you just don't think of, yeah. you know, um and it just the lots of there's lots of little things like the like i say the offer of um support and cancer and knowing that if you ring that number there's going to be somebody there that understands and mm-hmm. um and will talk to you um because it's great it's lovely having the family support and the the family network and the friends network and everything but if the, if you don't if you're talking to somebody that hasn't been through it that's what you need you need somebody who's walked that path and who has that experience yeah. and that's that's vital um and then not only do they do all that but they also do lots of research which is just like it's so important it's one of those horrible diseases that is you know people live in fear of because we still haven't got that cure you know they're the i mean the the medicines that you have now are fantastic but uh, people like the irish cancer society and it, i think that's the one thing i'd always drive home is that for a country we don't, you don't get those services from your government. It is up to charities like the Irish Cancer Society and other um, cancer societies like the Children's One Leukemia Foundation and Avian's Pink Tie, all of them. It's, it's left to charities like that to mm. raise the money to help you. And it's expensive. Yes. It Do you know, when your child gets sick or somebody gets sick, you know, a lot of stuff is put on hold. You're not earning. There's, there's just so many things and they are there to, to help you. So that's why. When you see somebody that's selling a daffodil pin or you want to donate, that's that's what you do. I think you you've probably donate. sold a few boxes worth in your last couple of minutes. Genevieve, lovely I speaking so. to you. My best to the whole family, but especially to Tyg. And thank you for being with me on The Opinion. And that's Genevieve O'Malley. There are many ways to donate today to uh, Daffodil Day. Buy, if you see a daffodil in Centra, buy it. If you want to go on Revolut and make a donation, do it. If you make that text daff or daffodil to 503-00, just give, just give them a few quid today. There's a thing like, the car breaks down. You're up and down to Dublin, bringing the child to treatment. The car breaks down. The car needs service. The car might need a part. They'll sort it. It's extraordinary. 0818 96 96 96. Ah, come here. Census. Uh, my neighbour told me the census fella asked her if she was planning to have kids rather than if she had kids. We live in an apartment block. Most of us are on a tenancy that wouldn't have picked us if we had kids. So she didn't like that qu- question. Especially because it wasn't prefaced with another one like, has she kids? 
some of the stuff coming in, I have to tell you, some of the questions that people are telling us are being asked on the front doorstep, they seem quite intrusive. They do, they do, they do, they do. Just that person we spoke to earlier on who was concerned about being asked if there'd be a man in the house and she's a widow and quite a young widow by the sounds of her. She said it was inappropriate. I felt insecure. It felt creepy. I think she was on the phone again. They should just send the forms out to Phil. This is all sounding scammy when they kind of pressure you to answer questions in a machine gun style so you might give out more info than you wanted to. We don't know either if these people are potential thieves or rapists. I didn't feel safe after the person left my doorstep. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. My wife bought a dash cam for our car. I didn't know it recorded the sound in the car. She now has lots of recordings of me pretending to be interviewed by Sky Sports as manager of my FIFA team while driving to work. (laughs) I'm a bus driver. If I'm having a bad day at work, I look in the mirror while driving and mutter to myself, you're all Muppets, aren't you? And then tap the brakes twice so they all nod. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24-7 at noldc.com. 96FM Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696 On Quartz 96FM Now Gary, this is a beautiful looking bike. Uh, and I'd say a fairly unique-looking bike with all the logos on it. Good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning, PJ. How are you? What happened? So, uh, one Wednesday night at 1am, um, a van passed my friend's house. At the time, I'd been working on my motorbike that evening in my friend's house, but the van passed, and it came back and reversed around the corner. Um, there was two males in the van. So they got out, one of the males got out of the van and came into the driveway and started searching around the area to see what they could find. So eventually they spotted my bike next to the van, but it was covered. Mm. So one of the males was grabbing the plastic and then he called, he went out to call the second person to let them know that there was a bike there. So how do you know all this? Was there a direct oh, eyewitness? I have, it. I have it all on CCTV. I see. I see. Uh, describe now, and they made off with it. They made, yeah, they made off with it, PJ. Um, they had are all covered up. All their heads have baseball caps, buffy jackets. They're in their early twenties. Yeah. Describe the bike to me because it's it's covered in things like Red Bull it's, logos. It's a beautiful bike. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It's my pride and joy. Um, I put all my time and work into it. You know, um, it's my hobby. But um, yeah, it's a um, 600 GSXR. It's a red bull bike. It's blue, uh, red, white in colour. Mm. Powerful machine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I would, apart from anything else, apart from the the loss of it for you, a dangerous weapon in the wrong hands. Oh yeah, it's absolutely crazy, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to handle it, like you, it will throw you off in two seconds. Is it? Is it a, I mean, it, it 
it's almost, I don't know a whole pile about motorbikes, in fact, I know nothing about them. It looks yeah. like a racing bike. You could actually race on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks, oh. yeah, it looks like a racing bike. But it's actually a road bike, yeah. I gotcha. I but gotcha. I actually, I, I bought it from Red Bull in England. So, oh, yeah, from the Red Bull factory? Like, exactly, yeah. It's their old demo bike. Oh, my goodness. Oh, crikey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I see, I see. And it was taken. Now, where, where's your house, Gary? Um, it, it was actually in my buddy's house because I was working on it over the last few days, getting right. prepared for the summer, you know? So where's the house? It was parked up for over the winter, so I was just um, putting all new stuff on it, getting ready for the summer. Sure, sure. I know you may not want give me an exact address, obviously, but where, whereabouts? Um, by Cool Roo, it's by uh, the Ballon College Rugby Club. Okay. Oh, I know it well. I know the place. Yeah. And yeah. into a white van, presumably they I mean, they know it's valuable. they know it's valuable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's extremely valuable right now. They're even actually going up on price at the moment. Yeah, I mean, being, being, being a genuine Red Bull bike from the Red Bull manufacturers, like that's oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm out morning, noon, night, just looking through fields, just looking anywhere I can. Wow. Just hoping that I'll find it just left there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Have you um, have you? Given all the CCTV to the guards and stuff, I have, and I'm now waiting on more from the residents in the area and um, the people who are ever in the two males that are in the van that night. I'm waiting on a CCTV image from uh, Boss Aaron. Mm. Right. Um, so I think the guards have to get in contact with them to yeah. get the CCTV image. Okay, they've from the buses and stuff. The 24-hour bus runs by Correct. by that place there, by by that location there. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And did. I don't suppose they got a registration for the van, even though it could be fake. Even no, do, yeah, even if they did say it's probably fake, you know, they're, right. they're well changed by now. Okay, look, if anybody can help, and this is not a bike that anyone's going to put up. Oh, I'm just selling my old bike. This is oh no way, no. Anyone who knows their motorbikes will know this is a this is a unique machine. Exactly, yeah, correct, Peter. All right. Okay. Listen. If so any, I am, I am yeah. pleading. If if anybody is listening and they do have the bike before it goes any further, um, because the guys do want to take a lot for like a lot more for, but I just if they do have the bike, I'm just pleading with them just to leave it somewhere. Ring the guards. Ring ye. There'll be no more said. I just want my bike back. That's all I want is just to have my bike back in. If it's crashed, if it's damaged, I'll fix it. I just want the bike. Just you know, it just means too much to me. All right, Jerry. All right, well, if anybody sees it and can help, they can come to us. And if, if by any chance, someone knows where it is or has seen it, ring us and we'll put them in touch with you. Thanks very much, PJ. All right, man, take care of yourself. That's Gary Gibbons. A beautiful, beautiful motorbike. All done on the Red Bull logos. And it was one of the original Red Bull bikes from the Red Bull manufacturers in the UK. Oh, my goodness, that that's the sentimental value alone. It's a powerful machine uh, stolen from his buddy's house in um, Melancholic and they have the whole lot on CCTV. If anybody can help, we'll put you in touch with Gary. And if you know where it is and you want to tell the guards anonymously, 1-800-666-111. That's 1-800-666-111. Been talking to Rory uh, about his little boy, Jack. Jack was headed for surgery this week and uh, 
Uh, it's been a big surgery on a tiny, tiny little boy. Been talking to Rory. Let you hear that next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Some shows coming up at Cypress Avenue during April include Frank Turner on April 9th, James Vincent McMorrow on the 17th, Proto Martyr on Wednesday, April 20th, and Moncrief on the following night. Check out cypressavenue.ie for further information and ticket details. Access all areas. Presented by the RTE Concert Orchestra in association with the Opera House, the Jazz Legends Show celebrates Charlie Mingus' 100th anniversary and Miles Davis' Kinda Blue. It comes to the Opera House on Friday, April 22nd with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Rory, I know this is a very nervous time for your family, so I appreciate uh, you taking the call. Uh, baby Jack being prepared for surgery as we speak. Tell me a little bit about him. Um, Jack, uh, he's, um, he's a real funny little guy. Um, he's a great sense of humour. Um, every morning you go into him, you know, you get greeted with a smile. Um, and uh, if he's in really good mood, he might even give you a high five. <laughs> um, you know, he's, um, I think pretty much all the nurses have kind of fallen for him at this stage. Um, he's very sociable, kind of, as say, happy baby. Loves loves attention, but loves giving it back too. Like, so, yeah. You know, very interactive little fella. He was only a couple of weeks old when problems started. What happened? Yeah, so um, actually prior to uh, him being born, we knew that he, he had cardiac issues. Um, but we were kind of, I suppose there's, there's a limitation to how much they can tell on scans. But the the consultant was fairly confident that, you know, it, it, it was treatable yeah um so after he was born he was transferred to from the coom to crumlin 
and um, the initial couple of weeks he was very stable um, so he was transferred of IC, out of ICU fairly quickly and onto a ward and we were probably on the ward about two and a half weeks when he just started really to struggle um, he was losing weight um, and you know the doctors had come in they'd done another check on his heart and that wasn't explaining, you know, the issue. Um, he was transferred out of the ward back to the, the cardiac centre mm. um, where they thought that they were going to have to carry out a procedure um, in which they didn't really fancy his chances of survival given that his weight had dropped to oh, maybe just just over two kgs. Um, but they did manage to stabilise him and... Um, they kind of the, so I think he was transferred on the Thursday and the following Tuesday he was due for that procedure, but on Monday they were satisfied that he had stabilised, um, so they called it off and they kind of said, "Look, we're going to give him more time to to see if he can put on weight because if right. he gets to three kgs, kind of his chances of survival are are much better." Yeah. Um. So, I suppose. In doing all their tests prior to their, you know, the that procedure, uh, they realised that one of the other issues that they hadn't been able to diagnose pre-birth was, um, because of his condition, his heart was in slightly the wrong position, his liver was pushing up against his diaphragm, and his right lung wasn't inflating. Okay. Um, so that was an added complication to 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 what was causing these uh, what, what they call desaturation events. This is all very worrying, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, at, at this stage now, I think are like, you know, at that point in time, our stress levels were completely through the roof, you know. Um, but they, like, they, as I said, he was stabilised. Um, uh, a team of respiratory consultants came in and they looked at him as well and they said, look, we can. there are things that we can do to help his breathing. So he was sent to ICU um, and what was meant to be a short stay in ICU ended up being nine weeks um, because I think the initial attempts weren't really that successful from the point of view that they kind of realised that he needed 24-7 kind of breathing assistance okay. um, and he wouldn't get that with a uh, with a face mask. Um, and if he had a face mask on full time, that that would be detrimental to his development. So he has a little tracheostomy, doesn't he? He has a little trach. Yeah, so he has that in place. Um, now, there was a further complication in that he managed to get sepsis just before the procedure oh. was due to happen. So, yeah, that was just more complication onto an already stressful time. Um, but once he had recovered from that then, um, yeah, the, the tracheostomy was done. Um, he was in ICU then for another couple of days and then he was um, transferred to the transitional care unit. Okay. So the surgery that he's having this week, what's, what's yeah. that to do? Um, that's effectively to correct, um, it's a cardiac corrective procedure. Um, so the issue for, for Jack is he has a large hole in his heart um, but between the two chambers of his heart um, and also his he has quite a large aorta which is in the wrong position and his pulmonary artery is being squeezed 
by the aorta, which means oh, that dear. not enough, not enough um, blood is going to his lungs, which means he has trouble oxygenating his blood. Okay. And, uh, okay. What's his prognosis? I mean, will will he learn to breathe on his own? Is that your hope? Yeah. So, I suppose once he recovers from the cardiac surgery, he will be reassessed. Hmm. Um, certainly from the respiratory consultant's point of view over the last couple of months, they've been very happy with um, it, the, the development of his lungs um, since the he's had the tracheostomy and the ventilation support. Um, so the, the hope really is that his saturation levels will improve after the cardiac surgery. Um, and as he gets older, he will kind of grow out of the issues he has with his breathing. Okay, okay. Now, as soon as the surgery is done and and hopefully all works out according to plan, you want to bring him back to Cork. He's never, this is the bit I was getting to, he's never been outside the hospital, a hospital, for a single day in his little life. Yeah, the only time he spent outside of a hospital was inside an ambulance when he was being transferred from the Coombe to Crumlin. Crikey. Crikey. So you're, you're desperate to get him home, as, as anyone would Absolutely, would yeah, yeah. 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 Now, it means that you've got to... Is it the garage you're converting, or what are you doing for him? Yeah, so we kind of just have to... Um, I suppose because with the tracheostomy, he will need 24-7 care, and we will have a night nurse by the time he's discharged. Um, I suppose, yeah, we're converting a, a, a ground floor garage, um, which... You, you know, for, in terms of access for a hospital cot, needs to be kind of levelled and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, needs to be re-roofed. The insulation and the heating uh, obviously needs to be upgraded for it to be suitable for him to to live in. Um, yeah. But it also has to facilitate his night nurse as well. So, you know, you have to kind of make those improvements as well. Yeah, yeah. The hope is to raise money through the GoFundMe and to try and yeah. get the work done. Obviously it's going to take time to get it done. So yeah, will he be in CUH while you're waiting for that to happen? Yeah, so I think um, we've kind of been told that he probably will be up in Dublin for another couple of months. Right. Um, so we are starting the, the, the building work on Monday. Um, so we're kind of hoping then um, after that that... Um, we don't have we don't have exact timeframes, but sure. we're kind of hoping within the next two to three months that he will be transferred to CUH for a while, and then when everything is ready at home, that he can be discharged and uh, come home. Okay, and and then really, it's only when he's at home that he can progress to the to the fullness of his health. I guess everybody wants to be at home, and it'll be a relief for you too because I think you, Rory, you're commuting up and down and your wife is it Nadej is her name she's based Nadege, in, yeah. she's based in Dublin with him so it's been hard on both of you yeah oh look it's it's no doubt like you know I think initially the prognosis was that we'd be here kind of a couple of months and we're we're kind of hoping to be home by late October um or kind of early November of last year but then when those other difficulties arose you know, we were kind of told, look, you're going to need to prepare to be here for 12 months. Right. Um, you know, driving up and down. And, you know, sometimes I've had to go back to Dublin unexpectedly because, you know, like he's had sepsis and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's had these episodes where uh, 
his health hasn't been great. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it takes uh, an emotional toll on you. Were you ever afraid you might lose him? Um, yes, yeah. you know, um, I think uh, initially when he was um, transferred to the CHC and when they were kind of considering that procedure, like we were left in no uncertain terms that there is a risk to his life. Um, and and then prior to the tracheostomy, when he had sepsis, um, there was a couple of days there where things were looking pretty dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I've had a, we, we, like most of the days, in fairness, have been pretty good, like because yeah. I say just to have him and he's quite an entertainer. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, 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 we've had a few bad ones too. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm a, a dad to two healthy adults now at this stage, but I can't imagine what it must feel like to watch doors close and your child going in behind those doors and you don't know what it's what's going to happen in there. That's terrifying. On the other side. It, it, it is. Um, there isn't anything that can prepare you for it. Yeah. And there isn't really anything you can do about it, which yeah. is, I think that's, that's, I think that's from a, a parent's perspective is probably one of the most difficult things to deal with is that you have yeah. absolutely no control over it. Yeah, and we like to be able to, and we consider it our kind, why we're here for our children is to yeah. make sure we can put things right for them, and you can't. And yeah. You're also, I guess, in awe of the incredible people who do that work. Absolutely. Um, like, we've had meetings with his surgeon prior to the surgery um, and you know our last meeting the surgeon showed up with a 3D model of his heart that they um, derived from CT scans wow. and he was able to take us through the whole procedure where he would be putting in baffles where he would be in you know inserting where the, the sections that he'd be correcting yeah. um, and for the surgeon himself, he admitted like that this is, like he said, when I'm in the surgery, I won't be able to see this part of the heart. But because I have the 3D model, now I know what I have to contend with. That's that's some skill. Yeah, it's incredible. So look, uh, the GoFundMe is there. I love the name of it. Yeah. I love the New name. New digs for Jack. <laughs> New digs for Jack. And yeah. I, I, I'm delighted with you as a rugby fan that you're encouraging this. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him to wear a blue jersey up here, but we're having none of it. I suspect <laughs> so. I suspect so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, listen, give our best to Nadej and to your little man. And uh, we will share the GoFundMe for you and we'll hope that people come together. There's a good, there's, there's a few quid in there already. There's nearly 12 grand in there already, but you want to try and get a bit more just to get that conver conversion done for, for this very exactly. special little man. Rory, take care of yourself and thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, now that we did that a couple of days ago, uh, Jack has had his surgery. It went well. <clears throat> they went with uh, the option of an artificial valve, which means that uh, another surgery will have to be done in a few years' time. But normal life expectancy is the prognosis of the most incredible people the surgeons who do these kind of things on tiny tiny babies so the surgery went really well and we are delighted to hear that 0818 96 96 96 Joan who's that? 
It's Miriam O'Callaghan, PJ. How are you? How are you? It most certainly is Miriam O'Callaghan. You kind of shouldn't be let out on your own if you didn't know who that was, to be <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking of being out, you're out at the moment with Mammy. We are. We're literally sat in the car now at um, Pork Mountain, ready to start. Oh, I would say it's gorgeous up there today. I'd say with the weather now, it'd be absolutely stunning. And the waterfall, I can't, the pictures, oh, I can just imagine. But it's not an easy trek now. No, this is our, I'd say, geez, we're after doing this about 10 or 15 times now, so really? it's not too bad. Okay. And are you doing the, the touristy walk or do you do the serious one? No, we do the serious one, the red trail. What? Yeah, yeah, it's not too, it's not too bad. Ah, come you on now, Joan, I break out in a cold sweat <laughs> just looking at the map. <laughs> no, it's actually grand. <laughs> I do, I broke out in cold sweat looking at the map. My missus wanted to go at one time and I said, no, I'm sticking to the low, the low. Good for you. And they're training for the half marathon. When's that on this year? That's on the 5th of June. 5th of June, 5th of June. Yeah. Come here to me. You're one of eight. Yes. Three sets of twins. Three sets of twins, yeah. Good Lord Almighty. Yeah, and all girls. Oh my God, and Mammy's name is Hannah. That's it, yeah. Nice. I can't yeah. believe yeah. that. I know we had twins first time out. And, and and people said to me, are you going to have any more children? And I said, hang on now, she, she turns <laughs> them out in twos. I'm not taking any more chances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and are they identical twins? No, we're totally, like, I'm a twin as well, but we're well, like chalk and cheese. I got you, I got you. Yeah. So I think Mammy will be working on Sunday. She's working on Sunday, yeah. She works in the hotels um, in Blarney, but we'll do something afterwards, yeah. Okay. All right. Tell, go on. I know she's sitting with you in the car. She's sitting here with me actually saying, what did I do? Tell, <laughs> tell her Tell her what you think of her. Ma'am, in fairness, you're amazing. Like, <laughs> she's going to start crying. Um, like, she's 24 nieces and nephews, so she looks after them as well. Must she's work about four jobs. Oh, grandchildren, Jesus, do you hear me? Nieces and nephews. She has 24 grandchildren. 24 grandchildren? Put her yeah. on to me. Put her on to me. <laughs> there, there she goes now. <laughs> Hannah. Hello, love. How are you? Exactly. 24 grandchildren? Yes. And you're going you're, and you're going doing the red trail up Turk Mountain? Yes, I am, yeah. You're some woman for one woman. Thank you. Do you mind, do you mind me asking what age you are? Uh, 69. I'll be 17 August. You're an absolute legend, woman. You're a legend. So we're going to send you off to Douglas Court Shopping Centre with a 200 euro voucher to spend it whatever you want for Mother's Day. Thank you. That's incredible. Joan uh, rang in on behalf of her mum, Hannah O'Mahony. Hannah, a grandmother of 24. You can put me back on to Joan now if you want. And, uh, yeah, you. I'll have you on loudspeaker so she can hear everything. Oh, brilliant. All right. <laughs> Listen, that's, that's fabulous. It, she's, she's a great bit of stuff and so are you. And have a great day up talk. Take photos and keep them because this is a pet day. The weathermen are telling us it's going to go rotten again next week. So make the most of it. Happy Mother's Day to you, Hannah. And are you a mammy yourself, Joan? No, I'm the only one actually that has no kids. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Listen, have a great weekend. The two of you. Mother's Day. Sunday. Wow. <laughs> 24 grand. Wow. That's, that's kind of taken mammy to industrial levels, in fairness. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Breaking news. There has been a call for a general election. Well, actually, no, it's just John asks every so often. John rings up and demands a general election every so often. He says, uh, we need an election to test the response to COVID, to prepare for the economic crisis, and most of all, to test the new leader of the Labour Party. John says, if the Messiah returned to earth, he couldn't save the Labour Party, in my view. But maybe I'm wrong. It'd be fun to find out. Yeah, lots happening in politics this morning, actually. I see where Simon Coveney has been evacuated from an event in the north going to a security alert. He was at an event organised by the John and Pat Hume Foundation and that's been cleared by the police up there because of a security risk. And also we heard the Leo Baradkar at was meant to be in town either this morning or this afternoon. Ring a skiddy. He was due to be visit Ring a skiddy. We just got word that's been cancelled. So there's a bit of political shenanigan going on. I don't think you're going to get that election anytime soon, though, John. We have about a, just, a, un, just under an hour to go on the opinion line for the week. So with Mammy's Day or Mother's Day on Sunday, what did you be doing for her? What do you plan to do for her? Have you anything planned, a treat planned for her? Lovely chat there before 11 with Joan and Hannah. They're going climbing Tork Mountain and then Hannah's working on Sunday for Mother's Day, but they'll they'll have another day to celebrate. But what are you doing for Mother's Day? Have you something unusual planned for Mother's Day? 0818 96 96 96. Now, you might want to cook her something nice. Maybe do her a nice breakfast or cook her a nice dinner. And you might want maybe a tip from a top chef. Well, don't come much higher up in the rankings than Miran Manzoor, because Miran got bronze this week in the Chef of the Year category at the Hospitality Awards. And uh, he joins me now, of course, based at the Blue Haven Collection. Congratulations, Miran Forrest. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, BJ. Thanks. Thanks for the congratulations. Thank you. That's a, a nice, a nice accolade for you to get. Um, Mother's Day. What? What would we? What would we prepare specifically for Mammy? To give her a nice day. Like anything simple and comforting, and uh, like since we're from Kinsale, and uh, like I would like to give a recipe for a fish dish yes. and a dessert, which is in season. And it's very simple to simple and easy to make. Anybody with the slightest knowledge of cooking could make this, and uh, will will places coming in season, fish place or any any sort of uh, flat fish. Yes, you get them. You put them in the tray drizzle with olive oil, salt, pepper, put them in the oven for 15 minutes and it's ready. And to go with it, you have herby potatoes. You get baby potatoes. You put them in the oven as well, 25 to 30 minutes. You take them out and you sit, let them sit. Once right. it's cooked, 
then you you make a herby herb oil kind of stuff which with 50 grams of basil 50 grams of parsley three cloves of garlic 100 ml of oil olive oil mm. a squeeze of lemon juice you blitz them together you toss them with the uh, half half of the sauce you toss them with the potatoes and the other half you add uh, gherkins and capers and you put them on top of the fish oh that's a that's an explosion minutes. of flavor that's wonderful and do you wrap the fish do you, or do you just put it in the tray you just put them in the tray with the with the brush with olive oil on the bottom so it's easy to take it off once it's cooked crikey that's such a such simple way to cook it and but it, it's and if you mention place like place is a fish with lovely flavor so if you if you yes uh, that that's an explosion of flesh. I'd eat that myself. My mother wouldn't get a look at that. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and well, like for for breakfast on Mother's Day, what would you do? It, like for me, a simple pancake would be very good. And some pancake is so versatile and it's so easy to make. You could make a savory version, top it with uh, a bacon and poached egg. And if you're a little bit more adventurous, you could make a hollandaise sauce to top it with. Or if you want to dessert sweet version of it you make a pancake simple batter vanilla essence milk uh, self-raising flour little baking powder off it goes and you top it with chocolate sauce or fresh cream and strawberry season seeds with season as well you mentioned poached poached egg and bacon in a pancake yes. with, with the whole, that's like eggs bacon eggs benedict in a pancake eggs benedict yes no we for the pancake day we did the station it was very nice wow it sounds it it. yeah it's uh, like egg yes, Benedict. It's my favorite breakfast. That sounds fabulous, Miran. Yes. My poor mother. Will, my, my, mother my mother will go hungry because I'll, I'll have it all eaten on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're lovely. They're lovely. Come here to me. Tell me a bit, a little bit about yourself. Um, how, I, how did you get to be with us in in, in Cork? I I'm originally from India. I'm from Chennai. I'm from the coastal region of India. I went on to London to study bachelor's, then I worked in London for three more years. I lived in London for almost six years. Right. Then I was in USA and then in Belgium for two years. Then this is my fifth year in Ireland and my third year in Kinsale. Yeah. And uh, I'm so happy to call Kinsale my home. It's very nice. It's like the view are very nice. Yeah. And uh, the food, to yeah. be precise, as a chef, yeah. it's so good. It's uh, like everybody competes on a very good note. Yeah, uh, across yeah. the board in the town, so it's always it's always good, and the produce is yeah. very nice, and the seasonal it's right up the door. Yeah, I mean, as, and, a, as uh, a man who's come to live and work and and you know work his profession there as a chef, we really don't yes. we don't really get it, do we? How special Kinsale is? Oh, like when for me when I come from outside to inside, I see how special it is. Like everything we have everything on our doorstep. We have a fish. Like for the same thing to happen elsewhere in other countries, and since I've been there I could I could talk about it because I can't talk to the fishmonger. I can like text him. I don't see him often. But here I call uh, my fishmonger, he's from Union Hall, he just he brings it straight from the boat and vegetable supply is just right here in Kinsale and uh, shellfish and cheese everything is right here and you get to talk to the person who makes it who who catches it it's so special and uh, uh, i i believe that like we need to show a little bit more uh, uh, special uh, we, we need to feel a little bit more special about this whole thing which is happening organically like it's not it's not force it just happens like that in ireland and it's so that is for me as a chef it's so special well oh, well you know to have someone come from india 
and via all the countries you've been in and tell us that that's some endorsement. Congratulations again on your Thank award. You so much. Thanks Miran, so much, and Thank and uh, that eggs Benedict in a pancake that just sounds like the bomb. Thank you very much, Marine Manzoor of the Blue Haven Collection in Kinsale uh, from India originally, winner of the bronze medal in the Chef of the Year category at this year's Hospitality Awards. I'm going to get them to try. I'm going to try that at home. Speaking of mammies and mammies celebrating, one mammy uh, who is celebrating her birthday today, and uh, she's kind of one of my personal heroes, and she'd certainly be a personal hero of many, many people uh, that I know, and that is Philomena Lee, the incredible Philomena Lee who I had the privilege and very, very, you know, you have the pleasure of interviewing people, you have the duty of interviewing some people, it's a scourge to try and get words out of others, but sometimes it's just a privilege. And I had the privilege to interview Philomena Lee a number of years ago. And Philomena, the great Philomena, is 89 today. And her daughter Jane, who does all of her social media and most of her communications now, Jane put up a photograph of her yesterday. And she is looking so well. She's looking swell. And she is some, a celebrity mammy who will be 89 uh, today. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10 minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96 6fm.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Yeah, um... Mick Nugent, Councillor Mick Nugent, just has sent us uh, a voice note on WhatsApp. You all, you all can. Uh, you're all welcome to. You want to get involved in any of the conversations we're having on air, but you don't have time for a phone call and you have a long message. Why not just pop it into a voice note and send it to us at 083 396 Mick Nugent, Nick Nugent sent us this this morning. Mick Nugent, PRO of St. Vincent's Hurling and Football Club. Tonight at the Forking Crane in Shandon, the club hosts a premier screening of Ballycannon Remembered. The story of the Ballycannon boys, six young Irish volunteers killed by a party of Black and Tans and RIC on the 23rd of March 1921. Tonight's event is practically booked out. If any tickets do become available, I can be contacted at 87 55793. Shortly, great night in remembrance of the Ballycannon boys. All right, Mick, thank you for that. Uh, our own Simon Murdoch has been on to say, he'll be on after me at midday, if he gets here. Incident on the corner of Bridge Street and McCurtain Street. Nothing moving. Delays down onto Bridge Street, onto Patrick's Bridge, and onto the Keys and onto Leitrim Street. Oh, sweet divine of a Friday. The last thing you want. Thank you, Simon. Those political stories, I gave you the two of them briefly. Simon Coveney taken 
away from an event in the north. He actually had started his speech, I believe, and security alert called by the police service of Northern Ireland and out to safety he was taken. And we now know that Gavin Riley from Virgin Media has tweeted, the reason Leo isn't coming to Cork this afternoon is Leo has the plague. I mean, Leo has COVID. Mild, mild. And he's not unwell, not particularly unwell, but he has COVID. Just so you know. 0818 96 96 96. Now, hugs for humanity. Kim Kinsel, she's on the line. Kim Kinsel, tell me more. What is hugs for humanity? Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, Hugs for Humanity is um, hoping to be a viral campaign to spread across the, the world to create a viral hug love chain to use our bodies and love, I suppose, to stand up against all the atrocities in the world because they just seem to be one after another. Um, we have, I suppose, that we've seen very little power with economics and war but we do have power to show love. Um, So what we're doing is we are trying to, a bit like the Ice Bucket Challenge, we're trying to create a chain across the world that people would hug their family, their friends, their dog, a tree, whatever, just to express love. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do that, you upload your video or your picture, it doesn't have to be a video, and you nominate two more. And so the chain effect begins and continues. And is the idea that we'd all try and do it at the same time or just put a whole load of them up on social media? It wouldn't wouldn't happen at the same time. It would be because you would be nominating people over and over and over again and that would cause chain. So the links would add and add and add and add to each other. I see, I see. Now, also you want to raise money with this. Yes. So um, I'm involved with a, a charity called the Kayla Africa and how this came about is uh, Derry Desmond, who's a Cork man who runs this charity in uh, Solai in Kenya. Um, he posted a video on a group that we are part of. It's called International Connections. And he was very despairing that day because a lot of their money is drying up now because I suppose money has been diverted to help the people of Ukraine, which is rightly so. That same weekend when I saw that video, I... Um, I was reading the paper, it was full of um, the Ukraine and and horrible stories and I was just despairing and I was thinking I need to go out and stockpile, I need to do all this. Um, But then I thought, what am I doing? What are we doing as a world? We're just constantly going from one bad situation to the next and it seems like we had no voice. So I contacted, at the same time, I think on our group International Connection, somebody posted a a video of last year somebody in a plaza in Rome standing and getting hugs and it just started to grow from there. It was like, why can't we just do something that will spread across the world? Now, so you asked about money, yes. What we're looking to do is obviously fundraise to help people, but a number of people and we're, our, our theme, I suppose, is disconnection. So obviously the Ukrainian people have been disconnected from their land and their home and their people. Um, we're looking at Focus Ireland, the homeless who are disconnected from society and also Lakeila Africa, representing South Africa and Africa's disconnection to basics like shelter, food, education, health. Um, and in America, we have members in our group and in international connections, and we're looking to fundraise there for um, UNICEF, which will feed largely into Ukraine, but other charities too. too. 
So there is an element of collection, but we're not we're saying anybody has to donate. Sure. We would like what people would donate. Sure, sure. We're talking about five euro for to, and it will all be spread equally. Um, but this is not about that. This is it's not primarily about okay, that. It's okay. about spreading goodness. But if, if 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 they do want, they can. And how if can they, they make do a donation? To, yes. So they go onto Hugs for Humanity and a GoFundMe page, and all the details are there. We also have a Hugs for Humanity Facebook page and we are trying to have a TikTok page and hopefully our video tomorrow will be good enough to put on TikTok, but I'm afraid a few of us have no clue how to work TikTok, so we have to we have to oh, investigate I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, Kim, that there are any number of young TikTokers who will queue up and in well, return... Well, any social media uh, young people out there, I know there's a few so, uh, social media influencers in Cork. Yeah. I don't know them, but my, my children tell me that they're there. Oh, and, if they and can so, help us, that would be great. Some of them are big stars, and you know what? We don't even know their names. But they're big stars in their own right, if anyone can help you. So you're on the streets of Cork tomorrow. What time and where? So tomorrow at 11 o'clock outside Brown Thomas, we're going to kick this off. And there's about eight of us. And um, four of us are actually going out to Salai in Africa in June to volunteer, to do a volunteers week. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually just start a chain of, of hugs. And we're going to hug each other. Um, and then we're going to open it out to anybody who wishes to hug us. Now, I know people are, and rightly so, concerned about COVID. I was just going to go there, actually. Yeah. yeah. Nobody has been asked to hug us if they don't wish to. And I feel that everybody has a choice to make. Um, we have freedom of choice and in, in to love and how we love. But nobody's been asked to do that. If nobody hugs us, that's fine. We'll hug each other and we'll we'll... We'll put it up and hopefully it'll go viral and people will hug each other. Already we've had people hugging. Uh, we've had older members hugging trees. We've had people hugging their own families, people hugging their partners and giving a little message. Um, one of our members is 40 years married, Breed MacDonald, and um, she is in Spain at the moment celebrating her 40th anniversary and her and her husband of 40 years shared their hug. No. So it's, it's about... It's about connection, okay. human connection, and I suppose okay. if we've learned anything about COVID is how we, we we longed for that human connection. Sure. Yeah, we did. We missed that. I, rem- I remember, I think, probably the first person, first, it was an old friend. Uh, first, I hadn't seen them since the start of lockdown, and so old is this friend that it would be, invariably, we'd greet with a brief hug. And it mm-hmm. was so nice. It was yeah. so nice. Kim, yeah. uh, tomorrow, 11 o'clock, outside Brown Thomas. Uh, and good luck with that. It's called Hugs for Humanity. Thank you, Kim. 0818 96 96 96. She mentioned the COVID and why you might be nervous about the COVID. We now know that Leo has a dose of it. Half the country at the moment, people you don't know, people you do, have a dose of it. For most of us, for most, and I stress most, with three underlines, and it's highlighted in yellow, for most of us that were vaccinated and were healthy and fit in general, would be grand. So it'll just bounce off some people. Some people, it'll feel like the worst hangover they've ever had. For others, they'll be sick in bed for a few days, and they'll be grand again. But it's out there. A lot of it. And the numbers are sky-high with the last few days. Now, the Taoiseach is saying that there won't be any need for new restrictions or to bring restrictions back. I think Tony Houlihan has also said the same thing, 
or at least advised the Taoiseach of the same thing. Chief Medical Officer, of course, Neffet is gone now. Uh, that there is no need at the moment to bring back restrictions. Now, the, the World Health Organization still thinks we should be wearing masks and thinks that we should be, should have, well, that we did ease things off a little bit too quickly. But we decided for the opinion line this Friday, as we head into a weekend where, look, I'm going to a confirmation. Other people will be going to birthday parties. We'll be getting out about ourselves and, and just living our, our normal lives as best we can. How careful do we need to be? And I've been speaking with Dr. Philippa White, who is a specialist registrar in public health medicine with the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare Branch of the HSE. And I'll let you hear what she's been telling me next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Dr. White, thank you for taking our call. We know, to the best of our knowledge anyway, that this particular strand of COVID is, is not a very serious illness for most people. But at the same time, there's a lot of it out there and we need to be careful. Yes, absolutely. And thank you very much for having me on. And I agree with you, COVID is very much still with us. In our region, in Cork and Kerry, we're seeing very high levels of transmission. Yesterday alone, here in the Department of Public Health, we were notified of over 3,800 cases in this region alone. Um, And we're on an upward trajectory in terms of our case numbers um, over the last fortnight. Um, And also hospital numbers are high and increasing. There are over 200 people now in hospitals across Cork and Kerry with COVID-19. And that number is higher than what it was a week ago. And two weeks ago and is very likely to increase. So we very much recommend that, that people keep keep it in mind that COVID is still with us and we we'd recommend that everyone isolates if they are symptomatic regardless of whether they're fully vaccinated and boosted and indeed uh, they should isolate if they have COVID um, and we'd strongly recommend that everyone gets their, their vaccine so everyone from five years and up can get their uh, primary vaccination series, so their dose one and two, and everyone from age 12 and up can also get a booster. And there's you can book an appointment online through the HSE website. And mm. there's also still walk-in vaccination clinics open. There's there's two in Cork, one in Cork City, one in Bantry, and another one in Tralee. Um, so we'd strongly recommend that all, all those measures are taken. People um, continue to physically distance where they feel like it, yeah. where, where they feel like uh, somewhat uncomfortable or unsafe. Maintain the basic hand hygiene measures and respiratory etiquette like coffee and tea and also um, consider organizing outdoor activities rather than meeting indoors. So this weekend, if you're meeting a friend in their house for a coffee, why not consider going out for a walk instead and make make uh, use of this beautiful weather? Yeah. Are we at the point yet where the, the numbers are putting pressure on, on our medical services? We know that the numbers in ICU are still mercifully low, but there's cause for concern, is there? Yes, absolutely. So as I said, that the numbers of, of case numbers are uh, high and increasing, and also the numbers of people in hospital, hospital with COVID are, are high and increasing. So this is having an impact on every aspect of the health system in, in this region and nationally. It means more appointments are being made to, to see GPs, more people are attending ED, um, and of course, when people are admitted, that, admitted to hospital, that requires a lot of manpower to admit them, to see them on the wards, to look after them. It means that people have to go into isolation 
isolation rooms and isolation facilities where sta- dedicated staff need to look after the COVID patients and then they can't look after the non-COVID patients mm-hmm. where uh, a lot of healthcare workers are, are getting COVID and they're out and that staff absenteeism is having an impact on, on services. Some of them are, are, are short-staffed, some of them are not running at all. And then of course there are, in our region, Cork and Kerry, there are many nursing homes where there are outbreaks of COVID and while people are generally for the most part, you know, quite well in the nursing homes, this means that people who are uh, older, people who are in hospital and waiting to be transferred out to a nursing home can't be transferred because of the outbreak. So it's putting a lot of pressure on the health system for sure. Now, a lot of people have events coming up, particularly as we move closer to Easter. Personally, I've been invited to a a confirmation this weekend. I know many like me uh, have been invited to confirmations and birthdays and we'll be heading into communion season. We need to be cautious, don't we? Absolutely. Yes, very much so. Um, as I said, the, you know, the COVID is still with us, um, still seeing very high high numbers of cases and hospitalizations in our, our area. So as I mentioned earlier, if anyone has any symptoms, they should isolate straight away and get the vac- vaccine um, and, and get a booster. Uh, also, you know, you should we strongly recommend that you wear a mask on public transport, in any healthcare setting and in any places where crowds are gathering, for example, at a match, a concert or a yeah. protest. And we also strongly we recommend that you wear strongly recommend that you wear masks in those settings. But also, if you feel uncomfortable in any setting, whether that's at a wedding, in the shops, at a friend's house, wear your mask. Yeah. Don't think twice about it. Just put it on and and wear it. Lastly, and it's a little confusing sometimes. If a member of your household has tested positive, and they're doing what they need to do, isolating and stuff, if you're fully vaccinated, can you go about your business, or, or what are your responsibilities? Yeah, so so the current guidelines state that if someone in your household tests positive for COVID, you only need to isolate um, if you have symptoms. So if if you don't have any symptoms, regardless of your vaccination status, you can you know, carry on mm. about your business. However, if you are a healthcare worker and someone in your household has COVID, you should uh, do three antigen tests over the space of seven days. But if you're not a healthcare worker, those um, requirements, you don't have to do three antigen tests. But So you are correct. So unless you develop a symptom, uh, go on about your business. I suppose it can't hurt to do an antigen test, to pick one up in the shop and do one, but you can, you can go about your business. You can, and absolutely, you know, you can, as you say, you can get an antigen test, of course, um, but but those are, are the current guidelines. Dr. White, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. That's Dr. Philippa White, Specialist Registrar in Public Health Medicine uh, from HSE Cork Kerry Community Healthcare. Also this morning, you may have heard him on the morning news, a man we featured quite regularly on the opinion line throughout 2021, who Dr. David Nabarro, who is the WHO special envoy on COVID. And we've spoken to him on the programme a few times, as I said, with specific focus on the Irish situation. He now says that uh, people should be wearing their masks in places like the shop and on the bus. The National Bus and Rail Workers Union has asked that masks be made mandatory again on the buses and on the trains, even though the Taoiseach has said that the wave, this particular wave, doesn't justify any further restrictions. There's 55 people in ICU at the moment and about 1,500 people in hospital. But let's let's listen to what Dr. Namaro of the WHO has actually been saying. If I were in Ireland right now, I would be expecting 
there to be a request for mask wearing in confined spaces when there may be crowds. Uh, public transport is an example, uh, and um, hospitality venues that are hot and not ventilated, cellars and the like. I'd be expecting those to be the kind of places where mask wearing and physical distancing becomes strongly recommended. I would say to everybody, why not wear a mask when numbers of cases are rising like they are in Ireland right now? Don't wait for the authorities to order it. Just get the mask out of the cupboard, put it in your pocket, and then when you go into a place where there are other people, just gently slip it on. Do you know, I hope we can all have a normal and happy weekend and enjoy the wonderful weather that is outside. But let's listen to the words of Dr. Navarro because from day one, he's been pretty much a rock of sense. 0818969696. It is amazing the amount of young sporting talent that we have in Cork, particularly sports that the rest of us mightn't have heard very much about. Something outside of hurling or football or camogie or soccer or rugby or whatever you're having yourself or swimming or boxing. How about the sport of Muay Thai boxing? We have got an international champion, two European championships and now a British championship to her credit. And she's only 15. Her name is Aideen Mullins and I've been speaking to her for the opinion line. Aideen, 15 and chosen to... Uh, t- represent Ireland uh, in the World Games in Canada in August at a sport that I don't know a whole lot about. I would have called it kickboxing, but it's more than that, is it? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually quite different to kickboxing. Okay, it's um, there's knees and elbows, and um, it's also known as the eight limbs because you use your eight limbs. Um, in kickboxing. It's just a lot of kicking and punching. Right. So as well as your hands and feet, you use your elbows and your knees, and that's where they get the eight from. Yeah. And when did you start? Um, I was seven, so um, eight years ago. Right. Um, it was actually my cousin. She um, she was training down in um, Tomorrow Road with Derek Bufflin in Cobra, and um, she asked me to go down with her, and I went down just one day didn't know anything about it and I just kept training ever since then you loved it yeah you've done a lot of travel with it was it Birmingham last weekend uh, yeah it was we were in um, Sully Hall in Birmingham it was um, an ISKA British title fight hmm. um, and it was the girl who I was fighting she was UK number one right and you beat her um, yeah I beat her <laughs> Well, so you're now, are you a UK champion? So I've two European titles and I've a British title now. Wow. Wow. And how did you get selected for Canada? Um, my coach, is, he's um, Martin Horgan, he's a WBC representative. Um, so he, um, he was just chatting to us and he chose me to go. Wow. Big adventure. Yeah. So are you training for that right now or are there other competitions between now and then? Um, I'm fighting next month in the bars. Um, Marston, again, he's running a massive show. There's um, there's a load of um, 
fighters coming from all over the world. There's people from Scotland, England, Thailand. The girl who I'm fighting is coming from England. Um, so that's on the 23rd of April. He's putting a full circus tent out on the pitch. Crikey. Yeah. Over in the bars. In the bars, yeah. I think there's nearly 30 fights. Fantastic. And, and someone coming from Thailand, the home of the sport. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a Thai coming over fighting. He's fighting someone from Scotland, I think. Right. Um, and then a guy from my gym, Ryan Sheehan, he's fighting a Thai as well for um, a world title. Oh, there's a world title going to be decided in the bars on the night? There's, yeah, that's against Ryan Sheehan. And then Aaron McGahey from my gym, he's fighting a European title. That's a very big night. Your club is Siam Warriors. Yeah. Joined a different club before that. Um, my first club was in Tremor Road with yeah. um Derek O'Flynn. It was called Cobra Thai. Cobra a uh, Cobra Thai like Cobra Kai the show. Kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then about just before lockdown, me um Dami Kelly took over. Right. And then Dami decided to um he was a coach and he wanted to get back fighting himself. Right. So we moved up to Sime Warriors then. I'm up in Sime Warriors since about June, I think. So I'm only there a short while. Okay. And you're trying to fit school into all of this as well? Uh yeah, I'm in um, a junior cert year. Oh really? So as well as yeah. all this travel and all this training, there's a junior cert to be to be thought about. <laughs> yeah. We'll worry about that when the time comes. Yeah. I'm putting in the work in school, so Good for you. Did you it doesn't really bother me, you know, I'll I'll sit the junior sir and think about training then. Good for you. Good for you, and that's a good spirit. I heard that there's no support from the government for your sport. So you, your family and your club and everyone have to raise the, the funds to get you to Canada. Yeah. We're trying to um, find a sponsor as well to sponsor me. Yes. Are you allowed to say wear a sponsor's name on your gear? Yeah, I'll either get on my on my gear. Yeah, and um, if I had any posts up then on social media, I'd tag them. And I see. Be like, be nice to get a nice yeah. big cork company now behind you, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be brilliant. So cork company, fifteen-year-old Muay Thai boxer, British champion, double European champion heading off to the World Games in Canada in August and she needs some funding to get there. There's got to be somebody listening who'll help. Yeah. I wish you luck. Good luck with the training. Thanks. Good luck with the fighting, particularly in the... Let me know how you get on in the bars when that comes round. Yeah. And good luck with the junior cert when it comes up too. Thank you. Thanks. Lovely talking to you, Aideen, and take care of yourself. Aideen's mum is Cynthia, and Cynthia, I'd say you're proud beyond measure of her. Two European titles and a British championship title and heading off to, to the Worlds. What an achievement at 15. Yes, she had her two European titles at 12. She got them in Barnsley. Yeah, and we're super, super proud. Um, even more so... Um, she took my father's nickname. My father passed away last August and she took his nickname, The Block. So she's known as Aideen The Block Mullins after her grandfather. I love it. 
I absolutely yeah. love it. And um, my mom is only super proud of her. Really, we all are. We oh, all are. That's great. You know, she's she's a great girl. Really, like you know, she puts the effort in and her tra- trains very, very hard. Putting together funding, I was talking to her about getting a sponsor, but putting together funding for a big adventure like Canada, it, it seems unfair that there's no support from the government for that. There's totally no support for the, for the sport. Like there is for certain sports, obviously, but not, not for this particular one. So, um, yeah, we're trying to fundraise as a family. Her sister, her eldest sister is very good. Um, she set up um event master page for aiding for sports funding and Searsha Promotions have come on board and they're doing a night in the Hart Bar on the 30th of April for her fundraising for her. The Gables Bar will be doing um they're doing, going to do a table quiz for her. Um there's a few things in the pipeline. Good. Uh, just to try and get get her there, you know, like it's not a, it's it's an expensive trip. It is. You'd you'd be confident. Yeah. The thing is, if she gets there, like she's very likely to yeah. bring to bring home silverware. If you get a if we could get a corporate sponsor for her, it would be absolutely fantastic. Well, that would be fantastic. She's twenty one fights, twenty one wins. She has wow. uh, under her belt. Never been beaten. Never been beaten. No, no, and she's grounded. She doesn't go in there cocky as they say yeah. like do you know what I mean she's 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 very grounded good good I know probably every time she steps into the ring mammy you're there watching through your fingers going, <laughs> just don't get hurt kid but I was at the start to be fair um I've calmed a little bit not a whole lot but a little bit anyway all right you know, keep us posted and if there's any way we can help you let us know I will thank you very much for your time Cheers, Cynthia. Take care. Bye now. Thank you, PJ. Take care. Bye-bye. Cynthia Mullins talking to me last evening. Mum, very proud mum of Aideen the Block Mullins. That's a name to watch, I think. Aideen the Block Mullins. I love the sound of that. The Block Mullins. 0818 96 96 96. I don't know if you've watched um, Graham Norton's novel has been turned into, a, I think it's a lovely television show, called Holding. You might have come across some interesting music in it. Now is the time for forgiveness. Now is the time for regrets. Now is the time to forgive them. song is called Now is the Time and the band involved, the duo involved, are Les Salamandas, Julie and Colleen, who join me. I'm not jealous at all. They join me from Leavis's pub in beautiful Valley de Hob. Ladies, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Hi. No, beautiful music. How did you manage to get it selected for a big television show like that? Well, um, as, as you just mentioned, we, we are in Leavis's kind of house right now. And we're really lucky to to be a part of the staff here. And so the, the series was um, shot in Skibbery, right. uh, which is Dream League. Dream League, yeah, but like they're all staying around West Cork. And um, so the crew used to come, you know, at the weekend for a few pints. 
And so that's when we, we met some of them. And we met uh, Dominic Treadwell, which is one of the writers. Yes. And um, I was really upset the first couple of nights now because he was drinking Guinness. And as a French person, I'm very passionate about my Murphys, you know. Okay. Um, so I gave out. I gave out a lot. And that's when we, we you know, we... <laughs> as a French person, I'm passionate about my Murphys. I was wondering where that was. Anyway, great. <laughs> we trained for a while. Yeah. Fantastic. He did. He did. But yeah, I accidentally spilled a pint of Guinness on them and then... Uh, was it really an accident? It was it. <laughs> We're not going to say the truth now. It's the time when you had to run around bringing drinks to everyone. We, we don't know. But um, anyway, we, we kind of got to know them then. And um, so we said, we, we, we'll train uh, Dominic to drink Mur- Murphy's. And in exchange, we'll ask him to put uh, put our songs in. You know, we're like, yeah, you know, we, we have weird duo, we have songs. and Yeah, yeah and yeah. they really wanted like to get West Cork, like artists involved so yeah we were really lucky to, to have the song and to if you, what, what is the, the saying in life if you don't ask you can't get you might not exactly. get anyway but if you don't ask you certainly can't get you asked and you got two songs yeah, on the show yeah two songs yeah we were all watching it together um, we are up in Barry O'Brien's pub in Baldy Hub and um, we were listening away we were, we were all very attentive and um, and then the first song came came on, you know, it was in a in a car scene. So your so man is yeah. driving away, and it's kind of like he started dancing and stuff. We're all screaming, we're like, oh my god, oh my god we're on the telly, we're on the telly. And then uh, literally, like four seconds after that, the other the other guy turned off the radio. Yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah. You wonder what they you wonder what they're going to do with their music when when you put it in. <laughs> I'm so delighted for you. Any chance we might get to see you live anytime soon? Before the clock catches me here. Yes, we, we are uh, doing a, a mini uh, tour de Cork um, in April. And so we are playing in, in Lucy's Corner House, um, a home gig on the 17th of April, Easter Sunday. Fantastic. Uh, with a full band. So it's the first time we're really excited about it. And then we are playing in Collins the following weekend in Cork City. Fantastic. Um, on the 24th of April. So okay. with the, the full band again, so really, really excited about that. And Great. And- lovely to see loads of people and, you know, yeah, promoting our next single, which is coming out on the 6th of April. Fabulous. Well, listen, I'm going to have to leave it there because of no reason other than time. I'd love to chat to you all day. You sound like great crack, the two of you. Last Salamanders joining me from beautiful Bally de Hob. Their music is in, the, and I love that new show, Holding, that Graham Norton-based show based in West Cork. Congratulations to them. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie.